0: Praise the Lord. Ben's meeting tomorrow, and then Friday morning, early morning prayer. Then uh, Sunday morning, we're going to do graduation uh, Sunday. And then we will have uh, Vinny on Sunday night with revival services. So don't want to forget that announcement Sunday night. And um, and then Um, We will have corporate prayer the next, that coming Tuesday, so a lot of things going on. We appreciate you being in the house of the Lord. I know next week starts the first camp, and then I think the next week is another camp, and I know there will be several parents and individuals that will be headed uh, down to um, the Millersport, so... Uh, remember them. A lot of people in and out of down there, so we're just ask the Lord to <clears throat> strengthen, touch, be with them, and um, and, and uh, you know strengthen them and ha- let them have good church. So we're glad that uh, <clears throat> all of our kids can go, and and uh, those that are involved in helping, working, teaching, etc., etc. So. I uh we are growing apostolic legacy. yep growing apostolic legacy and I uh, <clears throat> had an individual not from this church, but I uh, preached for them years ago. They were uh, up in the northern part of the state of Ohio so it's been Uh, back in the late 70s, early 80s, and he was a minister's son, contacted me, and um, he was um, very troubled in his spirit, mind, and heart, emotions on some things that he was struggling with, and then um, had a a minister from um, the Dakotas North Dakota I believe it was and his wife I've worked with several times and they contacted me and there were some issues they were dealing with and it involved how to change and and how to have effective change in their lives and I know we all would like to have um, what I would call lasting change we want we want to change. We want to be different, and maybe it's um, as simple as I want to lose weight. Maybe it's as simple as I um, want to be whatever nice. I want to uh, stop a particular addiction. I want to stop um, what whatever. Fill in the blank, and I want somehow change and transformation uh, is what we call it to happen. And yet, unfortunately for most of us that start off the year wanting to lose 40 pounds, we lose maybe four or five or 10 and then it's kind of that yo-yo effect. I, It's not lasting. And I understand. And some of that is we we get it. And uh, yet, uh, we preach and teach and believe that there can be a transformation, a metamorphosis, if you will. In fact, uh, we—I—I uh, I thought uh, two, the two animals or one animal, one insect that came to mind was uh, a tadpole. A frog, and you know um, a butterfly, and quite different whenever one lays the eggs and um, the first uh, stage of growth uh, is a caterpillar or is a tadpole? It swims and slowly legs begin to develop, and then uh, you know slowly it's up and out of the water and then uh, one day a princess comes along and kisses it and it becomes a prince. Maybe not. Maybe it stays a frog. I don't know. But uh, it does go through a transformation. Now, the same is true with a butterfly. There is a, a transformation from caterpillar crawling and cocooning and then uh, uh, escaping and then uh, the adult butterfly. Right. I know uh, Sister Elaine has uh, been good about uh, getting the girls uh, these little butterfly cages and watching these cocoons and watching that for science and, of course, homeschooling the kids. And it's kind of a, we want to see that transformation. Unbelievable. And yet the Bible does use the word transformation. In Romans, the 12th chapter, And that word transformation actually in the Greek means metamorpho or a a complete metamorphosis, a complete transformation. And Romans, the 12th chapter, if you're not familiar with it, says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, and by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not... Conform to this world, but be ye transformed, that metamorphos by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, I realize that the world tries to use many uh, ideas and. Actually, some of them are spiritual or God techniques that are trying to uh, enact change and trying to bring about a transformation. And we've talked about those, and they have a place, and in fact, Uh, I started out uh, sort of wanting to study pre-med and went one year and there was just a lot of things that I transferred into the field of psychology because of of, uh, the study of psychology. The word psychology, psyche means the soul. And I was intrigued by how the world handles transforming your soul transforming your inside, transforming that, your mind, your emotions, your will, and how that can happen. And as I uh, went through an undergraduate and then graduate school and and, uh, so forth, it it was always intriguing. And I don't want to... uh, overwhelm you with uh, studying each school of thought and, and uh, how they are have some truth and not full truth and some uh, things that are good, but uh, some of the fields, two or three of them that you probably can recognize pretty easily uh, involve, um, the one is that sense of changing the environment changing the environment, and and as a school uh, individual, you know, we used to have these signs, children learn uh, they what they live, where they live, and if they are raised with anger, they'll be angry, and if they're raised with criticism, they'll be critical, and they're raised with this, and how many have ever heard those statements or read those signs about The environment. And there is some uh, truth to some of that. Obviously, children pick up and learn from home, and a couple of psychologists that were well known for behavior. Uh, environment sort of studies were uh, John Watson and B.F. Skinner and they actually listened and read from a Russian psychologist uh, scientist basically called Pavlov and he had a dog. Anybody ever heard of Pavlov's dog? And basically what they hooked that dog up to was uh, a thing to measure Saliva. Measure how much saliva. And that dog uh, had surgery, had it removed where it, they measured, they could measure how much saliva. And so they would spray meat powder in the dog's mouth and and the dog would produce saliva because it's thinking it's going to get a meal. And they would measure. And they would put meat powder and it would, ha- man, it, you know, it would start salivating. It would start knowing. So then they added a little technique. They rang a bell, and then they sprayed. And then they rang a bell, and then they sprayed. They rang a bell, and then they sprayed. And pretty soon, when they rang the bell, guess what happened? The dog immediately started salivating. He didn't wait for the spray. He immediately knew, hey, food is coming. And so, <clears throat> Pavlov said look they can be conditioned by the environment and we know that's 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 there's a lot of truth to that uh, meaning uh, how you set up disciplines and all of those things that are are can be very helpful in uh, learning and as school psychologists, you you learn well, what was the antecedent, what was the behavior, what was the consequences, and I could go into all that, I studied it for years and worked in it in the field, but there are some problems with that whole theory standing alone, and that first problem, from a biblical sense, is how did Adam and Eve sin when they were in the perfect environment? There was no bad video games. There was no bad movies. There was no bad places. There was nobody talking bad language. There was nobody. Huh? How did Cain sin? He would never seen anybody murdered that we know of. How did he know to hit somebody, and kill them in anger, and frustration? And so, you know, even with a perfect environment, and then there's more recent studies with identical twins that are raised together, and they don't always do everything. It's kind of unusual, in fact, when they find that they do a lot of things the same. And so how do two people who are identical in genetic makeup and raised in an identical environment come out with two different kinds of personalities, et cetera, et cetera? And we know that part of that, uh, obviously even in the Bible when it talks about Luke, the 15th chapter and the story of the prodigal son, anybody remember that? And he was raised, we think, in a pretty good home didn't have a bad life. Maybe his mother had passed away. I don't know. But the Bible is very clear that he was frustrated, maybe with his older brother, maybe with his dad. And he left and he said, I'm out of here. I don't want to have anything to do with this. And then the Bible uses the phrase, he came to himself. At some point, he realized, you know what? I had a pretty good environment. In fact, it was good enough that I'd like to go home. So if his environment was so terrible, why did he want to go home? You understand? And so it's always strange to me when people say, well, you know, my mom, my dad, and they, they still treat me mean. Well, then why do you care if it was... Anyway, that's a whole other subject. So that's kind of the environmentalists that, that talk about some of that. And then there are those that are what we call, use maybe it's psychoanalysis, which is, I know, a big phrase, but uh, you've heard of Sigmund Freud or you've maybe heard of psychoanalysis or where they use a, a variety of different um sort of um, therapies where they use uh, ink blots and all kinds of things and it's to get you talking because what they they developed was this idea that there's everybody has had this variety of past experiences that would be like environment and they are impacting you today and so if you dig them up and Talk about them, spill your guts, you'll get better. Just by digging them all up, talking about them, you'll get better. And there are a lot of people that that is true. They have been able to uh, sort of go through and recognize, you know, uh, wow, this was... Look what happened, and maybe they had—they needed to have it reframed and understand. And I'm not against uh, environmentalists, behaviorists, rather, uh, because I—my I, school was strong in behavior—behavioral uh, <coughs> uh, psychology, and school psychologists are strong in behavioral. Uh, school or environmental uh, psychology. We did some work with uh, psychoanalysis and we had to learn how to give the Bender Gestalt and other tests that we had to give to try to get kids to talk and get them to talk about what's going on and et cetera, et cetera. And yet what we know is that just simply (coughs) digging them all up and talking about them ultimately does not lead to healing because you remain in the victim mode. In other words, it's not, you know, you're a victim. This happened and that happened. And I've even had people that have gone through therapies that they dig up what happened 100 years ago, 200 years ago in previous lives. Well, first of all, I don't even believe that that's true. But they, you know, they have people digging up things and even false uh, memories because they don't, they can't remember it all. And I I understand that uh, <clears throat> that you know basically it is you feel condemnation, feel bad over what you've done, and that's why I put the verse. Romans, eighth chapter, in the first verse, there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk, present tense, not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So I guess where I come from with regard to psychoanalysis is that, you know, I realize that, yes, all those things can have an impact. But as Paul said, in all those things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And he goes through and he gives a list. I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come. He didn't even say things in the past because you know what? When you've been born again of the water and of the spirit, there is no past that the devil has the authority to dig up. Now, you can go dig it up. You can scratch around and find some reason for what you're doing, but I'm here to tell you that when, as far as God is concerned, the blood covered all of that. So when a person says, well, you don't understand. I was raised this and I was raised that, and you know what happens is it's so easy to get on that bandwagon of it's all about me. It's not about God. It's not about who I am in Christ. And he goes, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. As a matter of fact, Paul gets very specific in Philippians. He's in jail. And what does he say? Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but This one thing I do. What is it, Paul? I figure out why I'm so upset, mean, hateful, why I am depressed. No, what did he say? I forget those things which are behind and I keep my eyes pressing forward forward reaching forth unto those things <coughs> which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I know. You say, but pastor, don't you think there uh, can be helpful? I, I do. I think there can be help when folks figure some of that out. But I guess my caution to people that, have, that spend a lot of time dealing with the past is how much do you time do you spend looking toward the future? Won't we have a time when we get over yonder? We'll sing and shout, I'm so depressed right now. My dad was mean, my mom was mean. I'm in bad shape. You know, you gotta keep putting God in this picture. Joseph, who had no Bible. Joseph, who had no church to go to. Joseph, who as a young man just simply had a dad that started uh, treating him better than all the other boys, all the other brothers, and sowed into him this complete, Jealousy within the family. So what a jerk that Jacob was. But he told his boys, you know, you need to serve God. Serve God, go to church. No, we don't have a church. Go to the synagogue. No, we don't have a synagogue. Go. Well, you know, he had a strong youth group. He had no youth group. Well, he had a great support system. He had a lot of, he had Nobody except his own family. That's it. And guess what? His loving, precious, wonderful family. Right. They're, they're talking about killing the guy. And finally, one of them said, you know the story. It's Wednesday night. All you are Bible scholars. You know, one of them says, finally, let's sell him into slavery. Well, that's a great idea. I mean, most people would go, kill me now. I don't want to be a slave. They loaded him up, sent him out. And yet, when he's down in Egypt, he is purchased by a guy that's influential, a beautiful wife, and this guy starts trusting him, makes him whatever, the head steward. You know the story. And a woman, the wife, lies on him. And you know what Joseph's response to her was when she grabbed for him? He said, I cannot do this thing and sin against who? What church do you go to, Joseph? I don't go to church. Never been to a church. What Bible do you read? Do you read the Amplified Classic King James, the Revised? Tha- I don't have a Bible. Well, don't you have the Torah? I don't have the Torah. But I have a relationship with God through my father, and my grandfather, and my great grandfather. And God has spoken to me through dreams. And so, I won't sin against God. Now, he's rather stupid. If you look at him from the world's eyes, but there had been a transformation that had taken place. ninety nine point nine 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 men out of a hundred, that were sold into slavery by their family and their family worshiped some deity that they have never seen, they have no Bible, are not going to keep worshiping and honoring that God. They're going to say, yeah, look what that got me. My family, (laughs) a bunch of jerks. Not only at Potiphar's wife, he goes to jail, and we know the story, but when they call him finally, and, you know, he tries to answer the dreams of two of Pharaoh's men, and then when they call him to Pharaoh, you know how Joseph responds? Yes, sir, Pharaoh, I will tell you what this is. I will tell you... What you want to know, this is my chance to get out of jail. I will, is that what he's talked about? You read it carefully in the 41st chapter, the 16th verse, the 25th verse, you know what he says? God will give me the interpretation. God will reveal. God, there was a transformation that had taken place in Joseph If anyone needed years of psychoanalysis, Joseph sure did. Joseph, what does it feel like to be hated by your family? Lay back here on this couch and tell me about it. Huh? Not only there, but when the brothers finally come, and I know he did a little test and gave... He B- gave uh, Benjamin the extra stakes and all of the above and seven portions more. When he reveals himself and his brothers panic, 99.9999999% of your people would go, okay, turnabout's fair play, bring the chains. Huh? You're going to be my slaves now. You treated me with disdain. You treated me with hatefulness. I never did anything to you. Wasn't my fault our dad played favorites with me. You talk about giving them a tongue lashing. You talk about letting them have it. No, no. Read very carefully what he said to his own brothers. He said, God sent me here to save our family. And later when he was dying, as close as he came to being completely transparent, he said, you guys meant it for evil. I know what you did wasn't good. You wanted evil, but God meant it for good. What was he saying? You talk about psychoanalysis when you can realize yeah, somebody has tried to do something to me to stop me, but God is still God. He's able to turn it around. Oh, you want to talk about uh, having, a, you know, I can rejoice I know what you did was wrong but I serve a God that was able to make all things work together for good although he didn't have that verse he had that belief that transformation in him where he would say you know what I don't care I know what you did was wrong but you know what I still serve a God now I know that's Joseph's story is pretty amazing, and it kind of blows a hole into how do you get through your past. But the next, uh, of course, you know, you have the environmentalists, you have the psychoanalysis, and then you have uh, this new, newer field. It actually came about <coughs> sort of in um, some of our lifetimes in the night in the 60s. Uh, Abraham Maslow, and they had Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and you may have studied that in in a class. And Carl Rogers, and he was um, <coughs> uh, um, he was a lot like Mr. Rogers. Uh, Carl Rogers <laughs> was a psychoanalysis or not a, he was a psychologist that. Everything was wonderful, and every they he they proposed a new therapy uh, where you are controlled by your values and choices. It, It was really a humanistic. Sort of approach, but the idea behind it was that you just give a lot of positive self regard and you help them to understand that they have a lot of potential and they're great champions. And you know, you need to love yourself, you need to help yourself, you need to, you know, you yourself, your self. Esteem, self-help books. In fact, it's probably the hottest thing that's out there most recently. If you go on to Amazon and you want to get books and you put in self-help, there's probably, you know, uh, two or 3,000 books that are out there about how to help yourself and change yourself, transform yourself, and make yourself all over again. Now, you know, unfortunately... And there's a lot of good that those books could have. And I'm not I'm not trying to down all of psychology. I studied, I practiced, I was involved in it, i d I'm not there's wonderful things that you can get out of it, but the just like all truth out of balance is is error. And if you take the real premise of self-help, self- Self, this, love yourself, self, self. You know who it focuses on? Me, myself. And it's all about me. And the problem is, hard sometimes to look in the mirror at yourself, telling yourself that you're awesome when you know you're not awesome. You stand there and go, I'm a champion, and you go, yeah, but what about that bag of Cheetos you ate yesterday? Well, I'm a lot of times a champion. I'm just awesome. I am amazing. I am, and I know there are a lot of, uh, you know, that's kind of permeated even Christianity a bit. There are, We no longer have churches. We have champion centers. And we have, uh, you know, places where we're just champions for Jesus. And I don't disagree that we're champions. And I don't disagree that the Lord loves us and wants us to do well on some things. But let me just tell you, when you start trying to guide yourself, Jeremiah said, your heart is deceitful above all things. And it's desperately wicked. Who can know it? <clears throat> Years ago, we had a lady in our church that would always answer, if I know my heart. Remember Sister Marsha? She'd say, if I know my heart, I want to do whatever it is. If I know my heart. But what she knew is, I don't always know my heart. And Jeremiah said, Who can know this heart? And he goes on to say, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. In fact, one of the signs that Paul told Timothy in one of his last books that he wrote about perilous times that were coming. You know what the first thing he said in the list? For men shall be lovers of themselves. And he goes on, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemer, You read the whole list. He wraps it up by saying ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. In Romans, the 12th chapter, I read the first couple of verses. The third verse says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Wow. But to think soberly according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. And I... I, You know, I kind of get excited when I hear counselors, you know, telling a little kid that's in the 10th grade and five foot two, you can be anything you want to be. And I'm thinking NBA's out, NFL's out. (laughs) Sorry, it ain't happening. You can have a positive outlook, but it just ain't going to happen. And they tell a poor person that's, you know, struggling to get by with basic math. And they say, you can be anything you want to be. And I'm thinking, nope, nope. You're in the 11th grade and you haven't passed 5th grade math. Sorry, there's a whole lot of fields that are shut down to you. I like to encourage them, I want to encourage them, but I am am not advocating being brutally honest. And you know, I I mean, I've got grandchildren, they bring me a drawing, what do you think? I think it's beautiful, it's awesome, it's wonderful, I put it up, and it's not worthy to be hanging in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Maybe if their dad was President Biden, they could sell it for a lot, but other than that, I... Unfortunately, their dad's David Post, and it's not going to go for a high dollar amount. Do I say, that's awesome, that's great, man, wonderful. Let me put it on the refrigerator. But Jesus was very clear He said, he that finds his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. It's not about finding out who you are. It's finding out who he is and what he wants of me. And I know we've got people that are trying to find themselves. Well, you know what? Might as well lose yourself in him. That's how you'll get true change in your life. It's when you try to take the reins. In fact, Matthew, the 16th chapter, Jesus said to his disciples, if any man come after me, let him. What? Deny himself. It's not about you, but Take up your cross and follow me. For whosoever shall seek to save his life must lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. That's why Paul could easily say, I can do all things. But he added a phrase in there. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Matthew, the ninth chapter, Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And, and I understand, I've I, I beat up on psychology now, showing you three different fields. And there are a few other splinters off of all of these. and And yet psychology is not the villain. It's not a it's not something to be vilified, and it's not something that can't be useful and helpful and, and involved in, in helping someone go through a transformation on some level, and yet, and to understand themselves, et cetera, et cetera, but it's using man's wisdom to try to implement change, which can be helpful. I know, you know, a behavior, an environment thing, and you can have a group, and you have a group of men, and you become accountable, and have accountability partners, and all of the thing. But it is totally based in truth because, you know, it is not more helpful than using God's method for change. And yet I understand there are other things that have masqueraded as, if you will, God's method, which was laying down the law and having rules. And we call that legalism. And you know, it's like, okay, if you're going to come to this church, you're going to do this and this and this. You're going to look like this and this and this. And you're going to wear this and this and this. You're going to do this and this and this. And I understand, I understand doing all the rules. Rules are necessary and they've got rules of where you drive, which side of the road. Rules of where you park, rules of how fast you go, rules, rules, rules. Our life is full of rules, and rules are important. But rules will never change your heart or your soul. No matter how wonderful the rules are, it can't change my inside. So, why we sing the song, Jesus on the? working on the outside because there's not enough rules. Now, I understand a baby, a child, a mature maturity issue as a child grows, you know, you have rules. You don't go outside. You don't cross the street. You don't go. You don't do this. You don't do that. You don't do this. You go through all the rules and rules and rules and rules. And, you know, both my daughters, I, I told my daughters, do not go out of this property. Do not get it out of the driveway. This is the line. Don't go there. And they've been disobeying me for years. The rules changed. Somebody says, well, I don't understand why the rules changed. Well, some of it's maturity. Some of it is, you know, whatever. People don't want to be told what to do. And Paul spends an entire chapter, Romans the seventh chapter, and I, I'm sorry I've gotten bogged down here and we'll keep going maybe on this, but Paul spends an entire chapter in Romans talking about the ways that religion can try to implement change without really having God a part of it. And one of those was through this legalism. Romans, the seventh chapter, you can read it, fifth through the eighth verses. He talks about the law and the law worked in our members. And he goes through this whole thing about the law and what the law couldn't do and the law and law and law. And what he's basically saying, is that sometimes the law incites us. So like, in other words, if I am getting ready to leave and I tell Siobhan and Caitlin, okay, I've got to leave. Now, whatever you do, do not get into the cookies while I'm gone. Oh, yeah, we have cookies. Oreos. And the more they think about Oreos... Huh? The greater the temptation. I had to check out one of those Oreos. Anybody? So sometimes just giving the rule has its negative consequence to it. You understand? doesn't stop it. It's kind of like the rule that Adam gave to Eve. Don't touch this tree. And at some point, she was like, "Lord said, don't touch it." And oh, wow, nothing happened. This this is not as bad as I thought it would be. You know, preachers have said, "Well, don't do this and don't do that," and people go, "I can do that, and I'm still okay. I didn't get hurt. I didn't, huh?" And so Paul goes through this whole thing, and of course, what we realize and 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 the Lord spoke through Samuel when he was talking about Saul that God looks on the outward. No. God looks on the inward. Man sees the outward. And so you read all of Romans and you realize that that 7th chapter, that first part of it, is that the law can't change you either. Obama years ago said what happened to our economy is greed on Wall Street and we're going to make some new laws to stop greed. Hallelujah, there is no more greed in America. Right? No more lying. No more dishonesty. Sorry. Sorry. Laws can't effect change. Not only can laws not, but your own willpower. And I know that through, after the birth of the early church, there was a lot of monasteries that sprung up and involved people that were using their willpower. If we take a vow of poverty. I will own nothing. A vow of chastity. I will abstain from everything. A vow of obedience. I will be submissive to authority. I will, I will, I will. And they developed their own, you know, I probably told you the joke it's about the man that went to a monastery who was... You have to be silent. You can only speak once every five years. So after five years, he came into the head of the monastery. Guy said, okay, you have two words. He said, bed hard. That's it. Goes back another five years. Came back five years later for the guy, two words, food terrible, came back after another five years, two words, I quit, the guy looked at him and said, I can understand why, you've done nothing but complain since you got here. You cannot change your inside by your willpower. Amen. I will, and Paul talks about that in Romans, the seventh chapter. He said, The things that I want to do, guess what? I can't do them. The things that I don't want to do, I do them. I, it's not me, but sin that dwells in me, and he goes through all this. In fact, At one place, Jesus said, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The man told Jesus when he said, Jesus asked him, if you want, he said, I want, but the flesh is weak. In Colossians, Paul said it like this. He describes will worship. He said, taste not, touch not, Handle not. All these laws are made after the doctrines and commandments of men, which indeed show a wisdom in will worship. He uses the phrase will worship, your willpower, Mm. and humility, neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh, but it doesn't truly change. Last one that he covers in Romans, the seventh chapter, was changing through the mind power, the intellect. Spock, I will change my mind. I know better. I know what I need to do. And Paul addressed that in Romans, the seventh chapter, the 22nd through the 25th verses. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. I see another law in my members Warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, sin that, so that then with the mind, I serve the law of God and the flesh, the law of sins. What are you saying? Paul tried to tell him, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. For we, uh, there is something about it. It is not. We are not warring in the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So, is change possible, Pastor? Yes, it is. But don't expect changing the environment. I know we got a society that if we could just give every homeless person a home, we would never have homeless problems. Bless your heart, you're foolish. You can buy them a new home. You can build them two homes. You can build them three homes. The environment is not going to change the problem. Digging up everything that everybody said to you and every look and spending your life trying to figure out, call them up, tell them I'm going to forgive you or I'm still hating you or whatever you do is not going to transform you. Making up your mind that you know what I am gonna I'm gonna just keep putting every sign on the mirror. You are super. You are amazing. You are fabulous. I'll read that every day and that's what I'll be. I'm sorry reading that you're fabulous doesn't make you fabulous. Although we like to give trophies now to everybody, doesn't matter. You have a trophy, you get a trophy. Everybody gets a trophy. I'm sorry it's not going to change people. Making more rules, making more spock like not going. But you know what? Bible says and we'll talk about it next week. When I keep my eyes on him, when I keep letting the Holy Ghost flow through me, when I realize who he is and I keep my, transformation can happen and will happen and does happen and you say, well it's not going fast enough, tell that to the caterpillar, I get it I feel the same way at times I'm still swimming and I don't see, I'm not fully developed I still got a long tail and I'm not yet a frog, but guess what my transformation is coming but Bible says and Paul said it like this, I know in whom I have believed and he is able to keep that which I have committed and he is able to perfect me in him and through him. That's where the transformation comes. It's not affected here. It's affected there. As I open myself up to him, that's where the transformation comes. Oh, hallelujah. Sorry I got bogged down to all these other fields that have a lot of good in them but are not the same as he is and what he can do. Let's stand.